Hey guys, and thank you for joining us at ID Sports, the 2021 season preview. Today we're talking about DC United. Thank you for joining us here at ID Sports. We're here today with John Hoffman from RFK Refugees. John, thank you so much for joining us. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're up to. Sure, yeah. Thanks for thanks for having us on, or me on, I guess. And my co-host is off doing whatever co-hosts do, and I have to do things alone on my on other podcasts. We are a, a DC soccer podcast, so we cover DC United, we cover Loudoun United, Washington Spirit, and then the, the U.S. men's and women's national teams a little bit. Less less so those than the club teams, but uh, you can find us. We we record a live show every Monday night, eight thirty on YouTube, uh, and then we have an interview show that comes out on Thursday. Uh, and you can subscribe to both of those at rfkrefugees.com slash subscribe. And thank you again for taking the time out to join us here today to talk about DC United. Let's get right into it and talk about ownership, stadium, culture, history. Part of that is part of your name with RFK. So let's just talk a little bit about the ownership group, stadium. I want to throw it right over to you. Sure. Yeah, I think the ownership is a is a is a loaded element for for DC United fans over the years. Uh, we have now uh, a, an ownership group consisting mostly of Jason Levian and Steve Kaplan, who are also joint owners of Swansea City. Uh, Jason, uh, Jason Leffian has been a part owner of a bunch of different franchises and in, in the NBA, uh, a bunch of different elements, but he's the, he's the operating partner now. Um, they, uh, over, over the years, ownership has been sort of a, a, a big uh, hot potato because the team was looking to build a stadium in DC United that was, or in DC that was not RFK. Um, RFK has its charms and it has its faults and it's falling down. Uh, and it was time to get out of there uh, long before we actually got out of there. Uh, but, the the new ownership the group the current ownership group now was able to get a new stadium built uh, in in Washington D.C. proper so that was the promise he made to the fans and he did that so from from that perspective uh, fans can be happy that we got a stadium at all uh, there are there are some compromises I think for fans uh, the rent there's always a if you ever look at a stadium render and then you look at what the stadium actually becomes usually there's some disappointment usually there's a little bit of not necessarily buyer's remorse but like what happened to those cool renders and for instance, the highlights and the flare and the, you know, you always get the, the one image when the stadium's opening with the fireworks behind there. Right. Uh, all of those images also had a roof and, and this, we do not have a full roof. So there are a lot of people that have very good seats, very expensive seats, very close to the field that are exposed to the elements when it rains. And that is a sore, that's a sore spot for a lot of, of folks. There's no roof over the supporter section. There are a lot of issues that make that. So, uh, they're on a very weird piece of land, land in Washington DC is absurdly expensive and they're on basically what was an old salvage yard and an old electrical like converter station. So they had to build their stadium in a very weird way, orient it in a weird direction. So there was a lot of compromise that had to get made. For instance, if you watch a game that starts at 7 PM in the summer, uh, you will be blinded by the sun and there's nothing you can do from it. The cameras get blinded. The press box gets blinded. Half the stadium gets blinded. Uh, that's just a situation where they built the stadium where they had to build it. Um, so as far as uh, ownership, people are always very uh, criticizing the ownership group for not spending enough money. I think that's maybe pretty standard refrain for most uh for most mls Every fan bases. Sport ever right. yes and sport yeah unless you're in atlanta or maybe seattle uh there's always a concern of uh, why why aren't they spending more money uh over the years historically dc has not spent a lot of money they have usually been in the bottom third of payroll and that's for a good reason because they were renting rfk stadium uh there which for there those whole- of you who you know aren't up on you know MLS findings. RFK Stadium was an old football stadium made for the Washington Reds, the 
former Washington Redskins. And by the time it was put out of commission, I think the upper deck was completely closed. You can you can walk in and leave with a piece of rebar with a piece of cement wrapped around it. You could sit next to raccoons who were frequented at uh, most of the games. I know that's kind of become a, a meme or a joke around DC United parts, but I guess we kind of got to let those jokes go as the old stadium went out too. It's it to me. I I'm not the one who came up with this, but uh, people have said that RFK is the CBGB of uh, of of American soccer stadiums, and I think that's true. Like, you know, I went to a million games at RFK, and uh, I would not, you know, I miss it. Right? I think there's like a charm in a stadium. I called it on another podcast earlier this week. I called it No Parents House, where it was like there's no rules. You could make a wrong turn and end up in like an area where that hasn't been open since 1965, and there's asbestos on the walls, but it still feels. It, it, it's yes. yours it's something very cool but all that's gone now we're in a very shiny new stadium uh with uh with no raccoons and nothing falling uh on the, on anyone anymore although that's that's another <laughs> that's another discussion as well but it's anyway another joke for another time it's another so. that's another inside joke there uh but unfortunately uh i would say that uh, the ownership group has has tried to moderately open the pocketbook they signed Wayne Rooney. That was an expense. Uh, they did not support Wayne Rooney with a whole bunch of other additional signings. Wayne Rooney left. Uh, and then the pandemic hit. Uh, they also are building a training facility, and they built a USL stadium in Loudoun County. Uh, so there's a lot of capital investment going on. There's less money being thrown into the roster. They're trying to do their best. Uh, it's there are There's a large segment of the fan base that uh, they've grown tired of excuses and want to see an ownership group that spends much more money on the field. So last season, some of that, some of those problems came to fruition. DC United went five, twelve, and six. They scored twenty-five goals and allowed forty goals in twenty twenty-one. I know that's something we want to move on from as quickly as possible, but I'm going to ask you just to sum up in a couple sentences what you can for DC United in twenty twenty. Yeah, I mean, twenty twenty was the end of the Ben Olsen era, a ten-year run as as manager. For those who don't know, he was a a longtime player legend for DC United. Uh, he was elevated to the head coaching position much sooner than he was expected to be. He was an assistant coach for Kurt Anolfo. Uh, I don't remember the exact year. I guess it was 10 years ago from last, I think it was 2010, I guess. Uh, Kurt Anolfo was, did not even make it a whole season. Uh, ben Olsen was thrust into the head coaching position and then lasted a full 10 years. So it was on the job learning from him from the start. As I talked about earlier, there was not a lot of money being spent in those early years of his coaching experience. So he was putting together rosters by, you know, just random guys, guys off the re-entry draft, dudes in the parking lot. He would throw them on the field and, and see what he could do. So last season was the end. It was the culmination of sort of that, uh, you know, the 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 end of his rope, the end of his the, his the, the end of the era, and it's time to bring a new coach. And that new coach is Hernan Lasota, who is known for being this high press, uh, quick to get the ball back, using a three man defense in his previous, I believe, two positions. So I think that leaves a lot of DC United fans expecting a three five two or a three four one two with depending on the personnel that you have available at the time. So can you just talk a little bit briefly about the new coach and any tactics he might be bringing to the United? Yeah, we had him on the show when he first got here and we asked sort of what is your, we asked that question, you know, we've been reading a lot of things about a three, five, two. We've been reading about sometimes use a four man back line. And he was like, listen, uh, I, I will adjust my tactics to the, the players that I have. I don't, I'm not getting to, I'm not getting to go shopping here necessarily i have a lot of leftover players from basically from from other systems 352 is his preference we just had donovan pines on our show um to talk about what the preseason's been like 352 appears to be what they're going with and there's been a lot of there's been a lot of uh instruction about how that how that changes what the defensive responsibilities are 
DC United played a three five two at times in the last two years. Um, Donovan Pines was uh, he was he was key to that. So there, he was a player who had never played a three man back line, got thrust into that, and had a lot of problems doing that on the run. This time he's getting an opportunity uh, to get a run up in a preseason. Steve Birnbaum, our captain, another center back, is out for until June, I believe. Bill Hamid's out, injured. So as far as like what this team is going to be right from the start, it's a bit of an open question. They've done their best to lower expectations. Ernan has said numerous times, like, you know, this is a building year. We got a lot of injuries. We're not getting to buy a lot of players. Please give us some time to figure out what we're what we're working on. Absolutely. But this is MLS and not EPL. And who knows what a single year could do with new tactics. I'm going to throw up a little graphic that I made that is just kind of a, a fun projected lineup. This is in no way am I in the know. This is just throwing out what I think could be what something here looks like. And I'm going to start with that back line because Donovan Pines is a, a great center back. I mean, he's six foot four, but he plays like he's seven foot tall. <laughs> I have a great stat on him. 4.05 aerials, one per game has him in the 96th percentile. He just wins every header. You want him in the box, whether it's the attacking box or the defending box, a player that I absolutely love to watch. Another stat about Donovan Pines that I want to bring up is that his 3.26 tackles per game, 99th percentile, 12.9 pressures per game, 94th percentile. When we're talking about aggressive ball play, getting the ball back, Donovan Pines was an absolute star. He he just shot out of nowhere last season. Do you want to talk anything uh, about Donovan Pines or the rest of this three-man center back line? Yeah, Donovan is... Uh... He all those statistics are absolutely right. There are parts of his games in, in which he excels and, and appears to be a world beater. And you're thinking obvious national team player in the future. And there are other parts that are still more rough. Last year was his first opportunity to get a long run of, of games in the starting rotation. Uh, his, his, his challenges are in passing. His challenges are in small lapses of concentration or whatever else that result. And we just talked about this five minutes ago. Uh, the, the the mistakes that happen result in a goal because you're standing 10 feet yeah. from the goal as a center back. Unfortunately, uh, it's different when you're a young player, other parts in the field. So uh, he, he is a player that has really high end possibilities and he's going to have to step in right away with Steve, Ber Steve Birnbaum being out with Frederick Briant uh, nearing probably the end of his career and Brenda Heinzeich being a new a newcomer to MLS who uh, based, you know, we, we have no real tape on him other than what he played in, in Belgium. But yeah. if you look at the advanced statistics, for Heinz Eich, he looks to be about average or below average as an MLS defender. So we're starting out the year uh, with, I don't want to say a patchwork backline, but maybe not the maybe not the backline that Hernan would would you know draw up where he would look at his first choice, uh, you know, dream dream back three for the system. Of course. So let's take that next look upfield. You got Russell Knaus, Junior Moreno, Philippe. Sorry, I got popped out there for a second. Let's let's talk about that. Um, the next setup, let's talk about the midfield, kind of more the, the defensive or the box-to-box -box midfielders. You have Russell Canals, Junior Moreno, Felipe, and Flores on my depth chart. Is that how you would see it, or what do you have to say about those players? I, I would imagine Yamil will start uh, on the left side. Joseph Mora has been apparently lining up as one of the center backs as an option, or obviously in a four-man back line on the left side. Uh, Julian Gressel, that looks right for now. Uh, also, it's sort of... This is this is day one lineup, but Paul Ariola will very much likely be back in May, uh, which will cause a little bit more of a of a juggle, of a juggle here. Uh, but Russell Canals and Junior Moreno look very likely to start there if we play uh, two strictly defensive midfielders. Um, Edison Flores is is the man to watch this year as a player who uh, came in uh, from big on, on a big money deal from Morelia, I believe five and a half million dollars for DC United. That may as well be three hundred million dollars. Huge contract. Did not perform well last year, was injured much of the year, broke his face, 
had had a little bit of a had a little bit of a run towards the end of the season when DC was uh, had a bit of a pulse after the coaching change and uh, Chad Ashton took over. There was a few wins that were you know that's most of the wins that happened in the year happened in that last little bit of run. Uh, but Edison Flores is going to have to have a bounce back year. Uh, DC United cannot afford to have its high paid, high priced players on the attack not go not be firing. Julian Gressel, another player, spent a lot of money to get him. Did not have a quality year last year. It's going to be all about bounce backs. Absolutely, I actually really like Gressel in this formation. I think playing as a true like winger, wing back in a in a three man back line, he's going to have more uh, of that open rope to go upfield, and I think that that really uh, plays towards his skill set a little a little more than maybe what he's been doing. And and hopefully the time away, uh, he can step up and, and play that role a little tighter. Let's talk about he had a kid, he had, he had a kid this off season. He had a kid this off season also. He tried to play center back. He tried to play attacking midfield. For a while, I think he pushed Ben Olsen into trying to get that opportunity, uh, and it failed miserably. So I think you're right. I think this is certainly where he belongs, and hopefully he can he can come good. Flourish good. So attackers, Ola Kamara, Jordi Arena. No one did much last season. How do you see? Are there other players in the mix for one of these two spots? I'd have to assume that DC is going to exercise all options up top this year. There are yes, there are plenty of players up top. Believe it or not, if you go to RFKRefugees.com right now, the, the the top article is about all of a sudden DC United having starting depth at, at at forward. That has been a problem since as long as I have followed this team. Uh, Ola Kamara had a very 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 rough season. Uh, I believe he had four goals from four point eight expected goals. Uh, Jordi uh, Jordi Reyna came in late in the season, played five or six games, scored no goals. Uh, goal scoring obviously a big problem. Twenty uh, something goals for a season will not uh, get the job done. That's why you're sitting at the bottom of the table. But Ola Kamara is a player that the team spent money on coming from coming back from China. Uh, he is a player that has an MLS pedigree. A few years ago, as of 2018, was scoring goals for LA Galaxy. Uh, he needs to find refine his confidence. I think that there's a hope that a more vertical style offense under Aaron Lasada, better performances from wingers, better service means that he'll actually get uh, a, a little bit more of an opportunity to score those goals. The team needs him to. Uh, Jordi Reyna is not being looked at as, as a double digit goal scorer, but there are other players coming in. None of them, again, none of them world beaters. Nigel Roberta came in uh, yesterday from Levski Sofia in Bulgaria, not known generally as a hotbed of of, uh, of up and coming European talent, but he has scored five goals in his last seven games there since uh, since DC United put their interest in public. There are also Eric Sorga from last year, who I believe you may recognize from a goal being scored against the Red Bulls uh, to win the game, one of our few wins. So we remember it very, very clearly on a deflection. Uh, and, and, and there are there are some other players, Johnny uh, Johnny Bolivar, uh, a young nineteen uh, year old player from from Venezuela, uh, and also Kamarni Smith, a draft pick who potentially profiles more of a winger. Uh, rather than afford there's also a player called adrian perez who i know very little about played for lafc like five times last year we picked him up on the re-entry so there are a lot of uh physical beings that play forward for dc united none of them none of them none of them world beaters i would say maybe kai kamara as a free agent would be preferable to some of these names but i i don't i don't make those choices absolutely when you look at ola kamara uh he had i guess four seasons in a row between 2015 and 2018 where he was a double digit scorer 14 16 18 14 in that time he has re- yep. yet to find that form but you know in mls he has the ability to put that ball in the net but they're going to need some service in this team I, I think has some potential and when it comes to projections and i do some sports book stuff for major league soccer and i make game predictions and try to read lines I have no idea when it comes to DC United <laughs> this year. I, I, they could be the one near the top. They could be near the bottom. I just have 
no clue. So I'm going to ask you, I think you've been a realist most of this time. I'm going to ask you to put on your pessimist hat and then your optimist hat. Let us know why DC is in trouble this season. Uh, reasons why DC United is in trouble is they've not addressed their forward scoring position challenges, their woes there. They have a new coach in a new system, large, uh, you know, main, main injuries and positions of, of importance. Uh, they should be back soon, but who knows? Injuries can tend to snowball. Uh, Steve Vermont has already had multiple surgeries on his ankle. So who knows how long he's out? Uh, what else could be bad? Uh, the players could play as poorly as they did last year. Julian Gressel does not revert to form. Um, uh, uh, Edison Flores continues to not to not be able to uh, influence the game in MLS, uh, and we have the same goal scoring challenge as we had before. But now we have less of a defensive rigorous uh, uh, backline than we did at a four man backline with two defensive midfielders under uh, Ben Olsen uh, with a, with the effort to be more o- o- offensively exciting under Hernan Lozada. So All best right case. Now. <laughs> I, I, I have to go there. So what's the best case scenario? The best case scenario is you guys are holding your heads above water. Paul Ariel comes back with a, you know, a crown of gold and brings you guys to the promised land. What, what, what are the, like, uh, the more rational side of, of positive expectations for this team? I think that we are at, at you know, I think even the pessimistic version is not where I'm at. At, at worst, I think we're, we're the eighth seed in the East. I think we squeak into the playoffs. I think that players... Uh, play more like the the back of their soccer cards over time. Julian Gressel is better than he was. Ola Kamara is better. Uh, Edison Flores is better. And, and the young players, Dominic Pine, Pine takes another step. Uh, another, some of the other young players that had a little bit of Kevin Paredes has an opportunity and actually score some goals. Uh, I think so. Eight is the floor from a realistic moment where I'm actually at. I think of all those players, uh, you know, blossom under, uh, under Aaron Lasada. I think that, uh, winning a game in the playoffs would be a win for us. Getting getting out of the first round, that's progress. Uh, we don't. That, this does not feel like a championship team as constructed, really even close. There's a lot. I think we need two transfer windows and some financial backing to get there. But uh, that's high, the optimistic side is a win in the playoffs, and I think the floor from a realistic perspective is eighth. What player is going to lead DC United in goals? That is a <laughs> we had we had Roche from DC 101 uh, and, and host of Pitch Pass on, and I asked him that question, and we both said I don't think it's going to be Ola Kamara, and then we said I don't think that's a good thing if we think that, and then we said Paul Ariola, and it's like that's also not a good thing if Paul has more goals than anybody else. Uh, my 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 pick then and my pick now is actually Yamil Assad. We talked when we talked to Aaron Lasada about Yamil. Yamil played in in the center as an eight. Uh, in the last five or six games of 2020 and did really well, like really, really well. Like, cause he did so poorly as a wing, as a wing player, when he actually was playing competently in the middle of the field, we're like this, that's Who's problem this solved. Guy? Yeah. Problem solved. Uh, but he made it clear that a, uh, I was wrong. He will not be playing there anymore. The, the, the Yamil as an eight dream is dead already. Uh, but he also said that, you know, he knew him from his time in Argentina. He was very uh, impressed with his ability to beat players on the dribble, uh, and and uh, and cut towards the goal and shoot. He's offensive minded, so I think Emil is. I don't think that I don't think we're going to see a lot of goals from any player. I think it's going to be spread spread around the spread out, yeah. goals by committee. Uh, but I would say Emil Assad maybe like seven or eight goals, six or seven goals. Emil Assad might have been the answer to my next question. This is kind of the where we're going to wrap it up. Who leads the team in assists next season? Julian Gressel, hopefully. Julian Gressel had thirteen and fifteen and sixteen assists. I think it was thirteen and sixteen in his first two years in Atlanta. Uh, that's why we paid a million dollars in allocation money for him for, for the ability to do that. So I'm hoping we get a, some version of that, uh, you know, even halfway. If, if, if he gets seven or eight assists, that probably leads the team. So on a team like this. So hopefully Julian Gressel 
uh, is as advertised. Last season was the last season, was the only season of his four-year year MLS career where he had under, uh, where he would have averaged under single digits over the course of a full season. His first year in only 24 starts, he had nine assists, then 12 and 11 in back-to-back season. So I could definitely see Gressel as being, you know, one of those guys who's going to be on the score sheet quite a bit and, you know, a plug and play in your, your fantasy MLS for roster. sure. If you're going to so, own a, if you're going to own a DC United player, that's probably the way to go. Maybe you just don't own any DC United players. I mean, but. if you have to, if you're in some sort of weird league where you have to have a DC United player, I guess Paul Ariola as a half season player would be, he was extraordinarily missed. If you watch this team in 2020, yes. he was, his absence was notable, not just from a goal scoring perspective, but from a defensive perspective, from a leadership on the field perspective, this team needs this player. Um, so that's why I'm somewhat glad it looks like he's going to return to us from Swansea city. Uh, and the, the team has no other player like him, so they need him. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Now, if there's someone here watching, make sure you hit the bell icon and hit subscribe. Make sure you are tuned into iadsports.com, youtube.com backslash iadsports. I have just a couple of our platforms across the bottom there. Anywhere you consume podcasts, we're there. It does us a great help to bring on great great guests like John to talk about Major League Soccer. So thank you again for joining us. And John, if you could leave us any last words, any last things about DC United that you want to tell the people out there? Now's your time. Yeah, I think it'll be a better year than last year. Uh, I think that this team, Hernan Lozada was hired with the idea of creating a team that's exciting to watch for the fans, but also for neutrals. So if if he comes as advertised and if these players perform the way they're supposed to play, you might want to actually catch these games on ESPN Plus if you're a neutral and not normally a DC United fan. Hopefully we're scoring lots of goals. Uh, he said he wanted to win games 5-4. to four. I would prefer we win games five to zero or five to one, but if it's five to four, uh, check it out. It should be interesting to you, even if you're not decent. Three points any way you can get them. I love it. Thank you guys. And John, again, thank you so much for taking the time out to be here today. And thank you for watching us at ID Sports. 